A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, hello there again, my friend, and welcome into another edition of the Stream Police Podcast, where we take a look at everything streaming, music, television, and movies right here on this show every month for you. And I know it's like almost the end of October, and we're finally bringing you the October edition. That's because, I mean, things have been just a, a little bit crazy. Just give me some give me some leeway here, and give Sedlak some leeway too. It just so happened that like both of our lives got insane at the exact same time. And we are, uh, Beth and I are selling our house, and you know that we just had a kid a couple months ago, and we're, so we're trying to relocate, moving to Columbus, so this is the last time I'm going to sit in this closet and uh, give you my picks on movies and TV, and I'm glad because I don't know, this closet is like, either it's shrunk or I've gotten a lot fatter in the last uh, couple weeks, because I like have no room in here right now, I don't know, the table's like sticking into my stomach, and I've got baby clothes hitting me in the back and there's like a, a roll of a big thing of toilet paper rolls sitting behind my chair so it's really not uh, I've outgrown the closet so hopefully in the new place we'll uh, we'll have a little bit bigger closet uh, for me to sit in and talk to you about movies and TV anyway I'm Clint Davis the host of the show the uh, uh, I talk about the movies and television and Andy talks about music we're not going to hear from Andy this week though he or this month he is on uh, on assignment I told him to Go sit in his basement and not come out until he listened to every piece of vinyl that he's ever bought. So that's probably going to take him at least through November. So we'll talk to him in just um, a little while. But yeah, his life has uh, been insane lately too. So it's just been it's been a crazy time. But you know what? I'm not going to skip a month and not sit here and talk to you about stuff, especially because there's so much going on right now, and fall TV season's really underway. And I had to give you part two of my fall TV preview last month. I told you about five shows premiering in September that I was going to be checking out. And this month, I got to tell you about five shows premiering in October that I'm going to be checking out as well. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. But first, let's start the show, as always, with uh, a ceremonial cigar here in the closet for the last time. Let me go ahead and get this going. All right. And with that, we're off. Let's talk about the greatest TV show theme song of all time this week, the 33rd entry into the canon of greatest television theme songs. For our October episodes, if you're a longtime listener of the Stream Police, and I hope you are, because this is our 60th episode, by the way, in case you're keeping score at home, I typically like to go in October with a TV theme song that's a little spooky. Like one, you know, just like kind of a a creepy show, creepy song. I think it's, you know, it's a good time of the of the year to do that. So the one that I'm going to pick this time is one that used to weird me out a lot when I was a kid. This song did when it came on. And I was probably, 
I don't know, five, four or five years old, something like that, when I would hear that, when I heard this song the first time. And it just really weirded me out, and it, and it stayed with me all these years. So growing up, I would stay over at my grandparents' house sometimes, and my grandma and I would stay up and watch Nick at Night sometimes when it got dark. I think I've talked about that before when I put the I Love Lucy theme on here because they used to show Lucy a lot on uh, Nick at Night. So we'd sit there and watch Nick at Night, and usually around 11 o'clock or midnight, some like one of the later hours, one show that they used to air was Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And at the open of each episode, this creepy theme song used to play. So that song, if you know it, then, I mean, if you've ever seen an episode of the show, you know that theme song immediately. I didn't even need to play it for you. But if you don't know it, this song is called The Funeral March of a Marionette. And it's from 1872 originally, so it even way predates what is an old TV show, which debuted in 1955 on CBS. So the song's from 1872. It is this frightening little piece that was written by a French composer by the name of Charles Gounod. And that's the guy that also composed the opera Faust, and he composed the Ave Maria. So Gounod, honestly, might be the most overqualified TV theme song composer who ever lived. So listening to it now, this song is definitely like a little eerie, but it's also kind of fun, right? I mean, like it sounds like a song that gets across the mischief of Halloween more than the terror of it. You know, I mean, you're not going to run screaming from the television here in this song. It's not like the theme song for Unsolved Mysteries, which, like I said, I think is legitimately just like the scariest song ever on TV. This song is just kind of more like the fun mischief side of Halloween, but it's still kind of it's got it's creepy enough. It reminds me of something that you would hear in like. Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas or something. I love this song, and it's it's kind of stuck with me since I was a kid, which was the last time that I even watched an episode of Al- Alfred Hitchcock Presents. I have not revisited that show, even though I'm sure I would love it. Um, and the song apparently stuck with Hitch, too, because he heard it in a movie, I guess, in 1927. Not, you know, one of his own movies, just he was watching a movie in 1927. He heard this song. And he remembered the song almost 30 years later when he was selecting the theme song for his new TV show. He was like, yeah, there was this song, Funeral March of a Marionette, and they picked it for the theme song for the TV show. And it became linked to him forever after that. The opening of the show, if you never saw it, was so iconic. This song would play, and then there was that drawn silhouette of Hitchcock in black and white. And he would step into the silhouette, and it would turn into him. And then he would walk into the frame, turn to the camera, and, and be like, good evening. And then, you know, he would start the show and he would introduce whatever they were going to, you know, do, whatever the story was going to be that week. It was a really cool way to open a show. So if you never saw it, the series itself was an anthology show, like so many of the great shows from the 50s and 60s. That was a genre that really just like we it's hardly used anymore for some reason. There have been a few here and there. You know, the biggest ones of the last few years would be like Tales from the Crypt in the 80s and 90s and a Black Mirror from the uh, last few years. But it's just not a genre that's really popular anymore. But back then it was like every other show was an anthology show and it's, it was so great. It followed a different creepy story each week, all presented and introduced by Hitch himself. Actors like uh, Vincent Price, Robert Redford, Steve McQueen, Bruce Dern, Walter Matthau, Dean Stockwell. Those were among some of the icons that appeared in episodes of the show and there were 268 of them 
um, in in all in ten years that the show was on the air. <laughs> So Alfred Hitchcock Presents bounced back and forth between CBS and NBC. It aired from 1955 to 1960 on CBS. Then it switched to NBC from 60 to 62. Then it switched back to CBS from 62 to 64. And then it finally ended on NBC from 64 to 65. I mean, that's really confusing, right? Two networks, but it switched like four times between the two. So it's it's really weird. I never knew that when, until I was looking into this. But it's a great show if you like those anthologies, if you like black and white television, if you like horror. Um, and its theme song is our latest pick for the greatest TV show theme song of all time this week. Alfred Hitchcock presents uh, an absolute classic. Anybody else remember that one from Nick at Night? I don't know. Nick at Night back when they were showing the black and white shows, they used to really show a good mix of comedies and dramas and, you know, horror anthology. I can't imagine them. Like, and then a few years ago, it got to where it was just Golden Girls and George Lopez and like Everybody Loves Raymond. I mean, could you imagine a show like The Twilight Zone or like The Outer Limits or Alfred Hitchcock presents airing on Nick at Night? Like right after an episode of the Golden Girls, I don't, I don't think so. It's so weird how that has changed over the years, but whatever. I'm glad they still keep you know some of those old shows alive on there. That is, that is pretty cool. Um, so anyway, I want to get to uh, a couple listener uh, emails real quick here before I roll on and get to my fall TV preview part two. Um, so first off, I got an email from one of our uh, longtime listeners named Kathy who said that uh, she really liked what I was asking about when I said, you know, what are the shows that you kind of go back to all the time? And I was talking about Oz, how I like to always go back and watch that show again. I have a bunch of them. It's not just Oz, but I was specifically wondering why I like to watch that one multiple times because it's not really a feel good. It's not like an easy show to watch. So I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, I really like that one a lot. So anyway, she said that her pick was The West Wing, and she said it was because Aaron Sorkin's writing uh, sounds like music and because the political world in that show is so much better than the one in reality. And it, and I told her that I have heard that before, almost those exact words, because Andy really likes that show a lot. And uh, another one of our listeners and one of our friends, Marie, really likes that show a lot. It's one of her favorites. And they basically all say the same thing. It's like the politics in that world is like a dream. And it's what you wish it really was like. Like, you wish we really did have leaders like this. You wish we had a president like this. Um, and not just in these days, but obviously that show was on in the late 90s. And people then even were still wishing, like, why aren't politicians this way? So, you know, uh, they're taking great stands and they're making these great monologues. And so, and everybody knows that Sorkin's writing is, is you know, just music to your ears if you like that kind of thing, if you like fast dialogue and um, you know, if you're just into writing, he's kind of one of the all-time greats. So, yeah, it's one of those shows that I never got into. But she also uh, said that ER is uh, one of those shows she likes to go back and watch because she's a big fan of um, watching, like, teamwork, like ensembles uh, do things together. And obviously that was a big ensemble show. And she said because George Clooney is the man and uh, Maura Tierney spent many seasons on that show as well. So, and you know we like Maura Tierney because I was talking about The Affair last time on the show and who doesn't like George Clooney ER another show I never really watched I never really watched either of those shows uh much at all and they're two that I've kind of like always had on my list but they're just like such long 
shows, there's such bears. And, you know, I mean, a couple years ago, I finally, and I was talking about it here, I went back and watched NYPD Blue all the way through. It took me like two years to watch that show all the way through. It was 12 seasons. And the West Wing and ER are like the same. I mean, they're network shows. They were on forever. And although I have heard with West Wing, you can pretty much like cut out after like the fifth season or whatever, and then you, you'll pretty much be good. And it's probably the same with ER. Once the once the original people leave, you can probably say goodbye. But um, so those are two good picks. Uh, so thank you very much for writing in. I appreciate that. And if if you want to write us up, it's theclintdavis at gmail.com. I did also get another um, question from a listener named Chris who said he found us on YouTube because uh, I post some of the stuff from the show on YouTube there and uh, to varying degrees of success. But our my video of a segment I did on the on Game of Thrones called Does Game of Thrones Suck Now, uh, which it's from an episode of the show like a year ago. It's, it's old. I put it up on YouTube a long time ago, just that part. And that thing has like 30,000 views or something. It's it's insane. I, I constantly get comments on just that one video. People think I'm like a Game of Thrones expert or something. It's the only time I've like ever talked about that show. But uh, that for whatever reason, people love that video. So he I, this guy found us on there, and he said, uh, from listening to the show, he knows I'm a big horror fan. He wondered what the most hardcore movie that I've ever seen was, I guess, in terms of horror. And, I, man, I've I've watched a lot of them over the years, like ones that you would describe as hardcore and kind of really disturbing. Um, especially when I was younger, I used to really like to watch that stuff a lot. I actually own a copy of Cannibal Holocaust, which is one of those movies that everyone always says is like the most, you know, just awful, gory, gross movie they've ever watched. People thought it was real. They famously put the director, um, they were going to put the director on trial until he proved that the actors were all still alive. Um, because everyone thought it was real. They thought the actors really got killed on this you know, island and eaten by cannibals in in the jungle. Um, I have a copy of I Spit on Your Grave, too, which is really one of the uh, most hardcore movies I definitely ever watched. Uh, Human Centipede, I've seen that one. That's that's pretty gross. The Last House on the Left, that was another one, the old one. Those are all up there, but I think the movie that made my stomach tighten the most, that I would describe as the most hardcore movie I ever watched, was probably the entire Faces of Death series, which uh, it used to really watch a lot with my friends back in the day that those movies were so, like somewhat legendary when I was growing up. I had this uncle who used to tell me about them and he would describe them as almost mythic. Like you couldn't find them things that you had to buy on the black market. You know, they were illegal and you couldn't own a copy of, of faces of death. My friends and I eventually ended up finding parts one, two and four on VHS at uh, the old turtle Creek flea market. Anybody around here will know what I'm talking about. And, uh, I'll never forget the butterflies I had in my stomach the first time we put them in because I had heard so much that the the whole idea was that these were just videos of like real just people dying like it was just real death and they were documentaries supposedly and it was like all kinds of different you know different ways people died and were caught on video so it was like a really you know fucked up version of candid camera or something like that where instead of getting pranks pulled on them people were dying so how could you not be kind of nervous to watch something like that there's all these warning signs when you first when the tape's going on, and something about a VHS too just made it way creepier than watching a DVD. Like there weren't any previews at the beginning of it; it was just like right to the movie. So it really felt like not a movie. It felt like something that somebody just had put together on their own and sold on the black market. We thought of this stuff actually was kind of, was kind of funny when we were watching it because some of the situations where people die are kind of silly. Like there was one where it was a magician who had a botched magic trick and. He got impaled with a knife through the head, like in front of a live audience at a magic show, and everyone was horrified. 
but it looked like kind of cheesy. Um, and, you know, we had watched a lot of movies, so it was like you could kind of tell it wasn't real. And there was a guy I remember who tried a homemade bungee jump while he was drunk off of, like, the roof of his apartment building. And he had mismeasured how tall the building was. And, of course, he went splat into a bush. And you just saw the guy, like, sprawled out. And all his friends were, like, freaking out because this guy got killed. Um, so, and and it turned out that, like, most of the stuff in Faces of Death was fake. Like, almost all of it was fake, pretty much you know, 90% of it was fake. Some of it ended up actually being real, like where they had gotten it from news stations or whatever. But most of it was fake, especially the stuff where they had a lot of angles. Um, there was some stuff in it that made me really look away. The monkey's brain scene. If you ever saw Faces of Death, that's like the most famous scene. There was the, uh, because it was like at a restaurant and people would crack the monkey's head open and eat their brains. That was fake too, actually. It turned out that it was cauliflower that they used for the brains of the monkey. Um, so that, but I thought it was real. I really did think that was real. There was footage of a guy being drawn and quartered in like Eastern Europe, uh, which I don't know if that was real. There was like footage of a guy who was pinned between a subway and the edge of the subway barrier with the like train holding his organs inside. And the the narrator was so great. It was this guy named, um, there was a guy named Dr. Gross and a guy named Dr. Flellis. And Dr. Flellis was like this really goofy like mad scientist kind of guy. And he, I remember him talking about the train holding his organs inside. And if the train backs away, he will die immediately. And there was just this guy like pinned against the, the subway barrier. So it was really weird stuff that was kind of funny and kind of very cheesy. But when you're like a teenager and you think it's real, it's really, really scary. Um, and they had animal deaths on there, which were real. And those were real. I never wanted to watch those. I always would turn away from those but uh the any of the really goofy human deaths but i would say those are probably the most hardcore movies i ever remember watching uh were the faces of death series for the first time in cinema history the greatest fear of all mankind will be graphically exposed now a motion picture dares to take you beyond the threshold of the living where you may discover your own face of death that would be my answer to you, Chris. Good question. I don't know. I've, I've seen a lot of them over the years, but anything that presents itself as real and you believe it's real when you're watching it, there's just something else about that that you can't duplicate because, you know, it, even if a movie looks really real, but you know it's a Hollywood movie and you know the actors, you've seen them before, whatever, it, it's just always, you're always going to remember, well, this isn't real. But when you think it's real, man, it's it's intense when it's a horror movie. All right, let's talk about uh, fall television and five shows that are premiering in October that I'm actually looking forward to checking out. A couple of these are horror shows, so uh, that fits with what I was just talking about there. I don't know how hardcore they'll be, but um, I've kind of outgrown that, so hopefully they'll just be good, solid, scary, spooky, uh, dramatically satisfying shows. Um, But yeah, my fall TV preview part two. All right. First off, let's talk about a show that's premiering on October 12th, or I should say has already premiered based on when this episode is debuting October 12th on Amazon Prime. It's a show called The Romanoffs, and this is one that uh, I've been waiting on for a long time because it comes from Matthew Weiner, who did Mad Men, and this was the show that he had, like, every network on the planet was wanting him and was going to pay him a ton of money to do a show for their network. It was, you know, what's his follow-up to Mad Men going to be? You know, it's one of the greatest TV shows ever, won a ton of Emmys, won a ton of awards at every award show, and everyone pretty much loved it. It was a rating success, and it was just a a, a big watershed show. So where was he going to go? So he ended up going to Amazon uh, Prime, and this is the show that he came out with. It's called The Romanoffs, and it's an eight-episode anthology. There's that word again. 
about a, each episode is about a different person who thinks that they are related to Russian royalty, like they're related to the Russian royal family, and they're probably all um, out of their minds and and they're probably all delusional, which I think is going to be part of the fun of it. Uh, but I believe it is all contemporary. I don't think the episodes are. It's not a period piece. So, but these are people who think that they're related to Russian royalty, and I don't know how that's going to all tie in and what that's all going to have anything to do with, but. If it's half as good as Mad Men, it'll be a great show. It's got a really good cast. It's got Diane Lane in it. It's got Aaron Eckhart in it. Hadn't seen him in a while. John Slattery is back uh, in the show as well. Huge cast, big in, uh, big uh, ensemble, I should say, and an anthology series. So how could I not want to watch that? That one debuted. It's called The Romanoffs, and it's uh, debuted on October 12th on Amazon if you're looking to check that one out. Another one that started on October 12th on Netflix is a show called The Haunting of Hill House. And this is based on, like, a legendary, legitimately legendary horror novel from the 1950s called The Haunting of Hill House, which I did not know about this novel and never read it. I didn't know anything about this book, but apparently it is it really is legendary when it comes to people who like horror books. And it's really supposed to be a very scary book. Um, and this show gives kind of its own spin on that book. I guess it's it essentially is about five adult siblings who grew up in, like, a really creepy house. And apparently they've all kind of split apart and spread apart, and they get back together after this tragedy happens and 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 try to kind of, you know, be, begin being a family again. So I don't know where the scares kind of come in there, but it is supposed to be legitimately scary, this show, is from everything I've heard about it. Cast is good, again, got Carla Gugino in it. She's always good. Timothy Hutton is back. He's, like, in everything nowadays, I feel like. I've seen him in so many shows recently. And those are the people that are among... Uh, among the cast, so it's uh, it, it's it looks pretty strong. And again, this one is on Netflix, and it started on October 12th. So you can check that out now if you're looking for a creepy show to check out this October. All right, one that's starting on October 26th, another Netflix show, and another creepy one is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. This is the uh, reimagining of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I thought when I first heard about it, you know, I really didn't have that much interest because that wasn't a show I ever watched. And I'm like, well, I'm I'm not. Like, I don't really care about watching teen shows now that much, um, unless they they have to be really good if I'm going to get into a new teen show these days. But this one is apparently, like, not at all like the TV show. The TV show was campy and funny, um, and it played for laughs. This one is, like, played dead serious for scares. So, and it's got Kiernan Shipka in it. Again, Mad Men alum. She uh, was Sally in the show. She was one of the breakout, one of the best actors in the show which was full of great actors. And now she's kind of grown up a little bit more, but she's playing Sabrina in this new Netflix series. It looks like it's taking some cues from The Witch, maybe. You know how much I love that movie, as far as its look goes. It looks very dark. So it's about Sabrina, her discovering that she's a witch. So it's kind of, I guess it's before the original show would have started. So it's, a, uh, again, a reimagining of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It's called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It started on Netflix on October 26th. All right, let's go to October 31st. Starting on Halloween on CBS All Access is a show called Tell Me a Story. And this is a like a wild card pick for me because I don't I haven't seen any images from this show. I've only heard the premise and who's involved in it and that is kind of enough for me. This is apparently like a dark psychological thriller that reimagines classic fairy tales into the like this dramatic world. 
So that's kind of an idea that's been done before. But it's it's a really cool idea. And if it can be done well, and CBS All Access has had a reputation for being like way better than CBS. It's kind of almost more like Showtime because they don't, you know, they, they curse a lot on there. They show nudity. I mean, it's not a it's not like CBS. Like it's it's really like a premium network. It's more like an HBO or Showtime, which is owned by CBS as well, uh, is, is kind of what CBS All Access is about. So they've got to fill it with good shows or else people aren't going to subscribe. So I've kind of got some faith in this one being good. It comes from the guy who wrote the whole Scream franchise. He created that. He he created the Vampire Diaries, which has been a very successful show. So, you know, he's done some big things. And uh, again, I'm not sure if it's an anthology or if it's like a, a, a show that's going to continue the story every week um but it's called tell me a story it's on cbs all access on october 31st and i think it sounds pretty interesting this fall and finally i'm going to cheat a little bit i'm going to go outside of october i'm going to give you one from november that starts on november 19th so way out there on amc it's the little drummer girl which is actually not a series but a mini series this is another john le carre novel that amc is doing so it looks kind of like they're version of the John le Carre book, The Night Manager, which they had, you know, great success with. Um, but this one is going to star Michael Shannon and Alexander Skarsgård. So already you got two very good actors there. Um, I think it's like set in the 70s or something like that, or 60s or 70s, somewhere around there. So it's a period piece. And again, it's a six-hour miniseries. It'll be on AMC on November 19th. And that'll be my fifth pick for fall TV shows that I'm going to be checking out this uh, coming season. So uh, what are the shows that I've missed? Which are, are ones that kind of you have been watching or want to watch that I did not mention? Notice I didn't mention any network shows there. I only mentioned one that's actually on regular TV. So I just, I don't think uh, come October, I thought a couple of the September shows look pretty interesting on the networks, but October, not so much once we got past that. All right, I'm going to take a breather for a second. Um, I'm not going to toss things to Andy because like I said, he's uh, he's not with us this month. But I got to put on my hat because I'm going to give you the five songs actually. So I'm going to do that. But I got to take a break. I got to take a drink. I'll do that in a second. I'll be right back with you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, yes. Andy's off this month. I'm going to have to take... i got to add five songs to the playlist that never ends because I just feel like we can't do an episode and not have that. Even if Andy's not here, I have to give you five picks to go on that playlist because like like we always say, it's never-ending. It's the perfect playlist. 
and I'm just going to chip in five tunes for you since Andy's not here. So I'm going to give you some tunes from, I'm going to go back a little ways. I'm not going to give you anything newer. I think the newest song I've got in here is like 1981. So some pretty old, old stuff here as we're going into the crates. My uh, five songs. First off, Andy does not add a lot of, um, he does not add a lot of jazz to this list, so I'm going to give you one that I really like a lot because if you're not a jazz fan, I think you'll still like this song and maybe it'll turn you on to it. It's a song by Donald Byrd called Stepping Into Tomorrow from 1975. Really cool song. It's one of those that will get in your head forever when you hear it and just got these really like haunting vocals and stuff like that. So check this one out. All right, moving into soul music now. Let's go with some Bobby Womack. And the song I'm picking for you is called So Many Sides of You. And this song has so much attitude in his voice, as Womack always had. He sings his ass off, but it's up-tempo. It's so weird. You don't really get a lot of songs, soul songs, especially where a guy or a girl is going to sing their ass off, and it'd be an up-tempo tune. But Womack does it on this song. I love it. Every time this song comes on, I crank it up really loud. All right, next one I'm going to throw at you. George Harrison and his song Far East Man from 1974's Dark Horse, which is an album that kind of got crapped on by Harrison. But this song is so beautiful. This is one of the most beautiful songs George Harrison ever had anything to do with, which is saying something. And Ronnie Wood actually wrote this song with him. So, uh, I mean, how can you beat that? I know Andy will love it. It's Far East Man by George Harrison. I'm going to go way back for you for this one. Kind of haunting, but also beautiful. It's the Ink Spots and their song, We Three, which will just bum you out big time when you listen to it. If you're looking for a song you just want to sit and cry to, here's a good one for you. We Three by the Ink Spots. We three will wait for you Even till eternity My echo my shadow and me. Andy, 
And finally, I'm going to throw you a little bit more attitude for you this time. It's a song by Terry Allen called Amarillo Highway. It's got one of my favorite choruses ever put to wax. Here it is. Yeah, some call me high hand and some call me low hand, but I'm holding what I am, the wheel. Right, so there's your five songs added to the playlist that never ends. The greatest playlist in the world. You can search for it on Spotify and subscribe to it, actually. So we make it really easy for you. And uh, all you have to do is search Stream Police. And it should come right up for you. It's I can't remember what the full title of that uh, playlist is. I think it's called the Stream Police Five Songs Playlist or something. Uh, but if you search Stream Police, you should be able to check it out and subscribe to it and uh, see all the new songs as soon as they are added and, and, and listen to them. We're up to like in the mid-200s now, so it, it'll be a while before you can get from top to bottom on that playlist. Very good stuff. All right, so let's uh, move back on. Let me talk. I'm going to tell you about a movie that's out right now on home video. I don't know if people still, I don't know if that's the phrase still, but I still say home video. That's a, kind of a throwback, but you just got to got to live with me on that. And then I'll I'll give you my picks for what's right now on Netflix and Amazon, something funny, something serious, and we'll wrap things up. So, first off, though, like I said, out on home video right now, a movie that I just checked out um, last week, a couple weeks ago, was Solo, a Star Wars story. And I this one, uh, Beth and I missed it when it was in theaters. Um, and that was, uh, we always watch the Star Wars movies together. We've always loved to watch all the Star Wars movies together. And so we uh, picked this one up on uh, on Blu-ray, and watched it, and I got to say, I really thought after you know everything I'd kind of heard and the troubled production, and how it, you know it was like it was a flop and it killed. Star Wars isn't going to do a new movie every year anymore because of this piece of garbage. Like everybody just like dumped on it so much, uh, but I should have known better because you know people really dumped on the Last Jedi a lot too. But I thought it was one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. So I just I don't agree with apparently the the you know very vocal Star Wars fans I think they're like a bunch of assholes or something I don't know what they want but I thought Solo Star Wars Story was really fun and it was gorgeous gorgeous movie I'm so glad that I watched it on Blu-ray because it looked better than like almost any of the other Star Wars movies looked I thought Rogue One looked really good uh too and all the new ones have looked really good but this one was particularly gorgeous I just thought the colors it was so bright and vibrant most of the time, and, uh, you know, the costumes were really cool. They had so many practical, like, creature effects going on in some of the scenes, and just a lot of really neat details happening in this film. And it was, you know, fun. It was more fun than most of the Star Wars movies are, I would say. And it has such a wildly different tone than Rogue One. That's what I think is really cool about this idea that they're going to do these individual Star Wars movies that don't have to do with the actual timeline of the, you know, the Star Wars, Star Wars episodes. Um, I like that idea because this is a huge universe. There are a lot of stories to tell out there in the Star Wars universe. And you can have different directors, different writers, different actors, 
You don't have to be, it's not like, well, we cast this guy in the movie, and if he's not good, then we got to live with him for 20 more films because they're not going to recast it. It's not like that with what happened with Hayden Christensen where we were stuck with him for two movies, even though he was horrible in, in both of them, and Lucas had to realize that. You know, these are just one shots, and that's what's kind of fun about it, and I, I like it. And Disney's clearly got the money to do it, so why not? Maybe they don't need to have as big a budgets and as big expectations for them. But I'm not tired of it. I, I feel like all the talk about they got to dial back. Star Wars can't do a movie a year. Bullshit. I mean, why can't they do a movie a year? If it's a totally different story every other year, then who's really going to get tired of that? I mean, essentially, it's just a sci-fi movie that looks great and is in a universe that we all already know. So we don't have the rules ex- have to have the rules explained to us. So I love the idea of every year having a new Star Wars movie. I'm fine with it. You know there are enough filmmakers out there who want to work in the Star Wars universe and who we'd love to see their interpretation of it. I think they should let some people do some R-rated ones. They should do some G-rated ones. Just, you know, mix it up. Do a different kind of thing. It doesn't all need to look the same, feel the same, sound the same. That's the beauty of it. You can have, like, some noir kind of things. You can have um, a movie that was more like a war film. You can have... You know, like like I said, noir detective kind of fiction. You could have even things that were kind of more scary. All kinds of different stuff. Comedies, whatever, in the Star Wars universe. I love that idea. So I'm not one of these people who says we got to dial back on Star Wars film. If Star Wars films, if anything, we need more. So, but, you know, was Solo, like, life-changing? No, but it was fun, and it was a, a really cool little sci-fi adventure that was had gorgeous visuals. And I'll, I'm going to say this also. I think it had the best cast that has maybe ever been in a Star Wars movie from top to bottom. And, you know, you can go back to the old ones and say that was a better cast, but those people were all unknowns and nobody really, you know, we look back on it now and we're like, this was a great cast. But it really wasn't a great cast when the movie came out. You know, I mean, they were pretty much all unknowns. The prequels, that's the one thing that George Lucas really did in the prequels was he got great casts in those movies when you're talking about people like Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor and Samuel L. Jackson um, and Christopher Lee. I mean, my God, all these people, you know, kind of together in these movies that, you know, that did make it uh, make those movies like worth watching, at least just to see that cast. And Natalie Portman, obviously. But Solo had a really good cast. So it was just kind of fun to watch these people working together. And um, a couple of them were dead too fast for or out of the film too fast for my taste. But um a lot of fun. So Solo, a Star Wars story. I recommend it if you like Star Wars. If you like sci-fi, give it a watch. Get the stick out of your ass and have some fun with it. It's on home video now for you to check out. Watch it on Blu-ray, though, because it is a gorgeous movie. And, and check it out on a massive TV if you can. It just looked really good. I was very impressed by how this movie looked. Um, all right, let's uh, talk about what's on Netflix and what's on Amazon for you right now. Streaming now, as I always like to do. I'll give you one that's funny and one that's serious on each. On Netflix, new this month... For something funny is 1974's Blazing Saddles. It doesn't get a whole lot funnier than this from the opening theme song, which the guy who sang it, when he came in to sing the song, he thought it was a legitimate, serious Western. Mel Brooks did not tell him it was funny, didn't tell him that it was a a parody. So the guy came in, sang it earnestly, and that is what makes the song so brilliant right at the opening of the film because (laughs) this guy thought he was involved in, like, the next great epic John Wayne Western and I hope he never actually saw the movie because he would have been probably very disappointed. But um, it's just, it's just so funny. There's no movie really like Blazing Saddles. There have been a lot of parody movies over the years, and Mel Brooks has even done a few of them himself. But himself, but Saddles is probably the funniest one ever put to film. Just it's so ruthless and it's so it's uncomfortable to watch in some parts. But 
Really funny stuff. Still holds up to this day. Something serious for you from 2003, Mystic River. The uh, Speaking of Westerns, Clint Eastwood um, did this one. It's not a Western, but obviously he did a lot of Westerns is what I meant there. But he directed this movie, didn't star in it, and it might be the best movie he ever directed. Uh, honestly, it's right up there with Unforgiven, I would say, as far as his absolute best. And um, this is just a great film. Uh, I think Mystic River went up against... I think it went up against Return of the King at the Oscars, and that's why it didn't win Best Picture. I can't remember, or may, maybe not. Maybe it's a little earlier earlier than that. But either way, this is one of those movies that I look at and I'm like, this probably should have won Best Picture because it's just it's a great drama, very thrilling, gripping, good story. The world is perfect uh, that it's set in. Um, the world is crafted. I mean, it's like one of those great, gritty Boston thrillers. And every performance is fantastic. Even Sean Penn, who I don't usually like all that much, it's some of his best work that he ever did. And, and it's just a great cast from top to bottom and really good storytelling. Some of the best ever done by Clint Eastwood. So check out Mystic River if you missed it now. It's on Netflix if you like a good crime drama. A crime thriller, I should say. And on Amazon right now, something funny for you, 1999's Election. This movie uh, still gets me every time I watch it. It's um, one of the reasons why I love Reese Witherspoon so much. She is just pitch perfect in her role as like the ultimate brown-nosing high school girl. Um, and uh, Matthew Broderick, really good as well as like kind of this half-assing history teacher. Or, or he's like a civics teacher. And... Uh, you know, I mean, he, the the rivalry between these two is just so good, and it's a really good high school movie, but that's not really made for teenagers. It's kind of made more for adults. So very funny movie if you missed Election. It's one of the best from the 90s. It's on Amazon right now. And also something serious for you, something very serious. From 1980, it's Raging Bull. Uh, people have said that it's the best acting ever put to film. How about that? Ever. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. Best acting ever. I don't know if I go that far, but it is seriously impressive and intense Robert De Niro changing his body size you know he kind of like invented that for this movie everybody does that now but he gained a ton of weight lost weight got ripped got fat all for Raging Bull telling this epic story of a boxer's life Jake LaMotta uh you know kind of from start to finish and really with all the blemishes intact this is not a pretty movie Joe Pesci's fantastic in it as well and it's a beautiful black and white movie by uh by Martin Scorsese and it's 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 probably the best-looking movie that he ever directed, actually, the, and one of the best-looking black-and-white movies. The boxing scenes are unforgettable the way he did it. Um, it, it just makes it look like nothing you've ever seen before. So check out Raging Bull if you've missed it. It's like one of those tour-de-force movies that you just can't believe how great it is. And if you, you've heard about it for years, maybe you're like, eh, I can't live up to the hype. It can, believe me. Uh, check it out right now on Amazon. All right, that's going to do it for this month's Stream Police Podcast. We'll catch up with you guys next time. Hopefully we'll have Andy back with us when he's done listening to all of his vinyl. And I'll be coming at you from a new closet in a new city. So uh, we will talk to you guys then. Thank you very much. Check us out. Email me at dclintdavis at gmail.com. Email Andy at sedlackjournal at gmail.com. And uh, you can find us on social media as well if you're looking for us there. Uh, but we'll talk to you next month. Until then, stream on, my friend.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.